Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Happy morning after. Uh, is it the morning after? I still don't have a rep. <laughs> you don't, eh? <laughs> they're still counting. No, they're still counting in Davenport in Toronto. So it's pretty, pretty tight. At points last night, it was like in between 12 votes. So it's going to go down to the mailing ballots, it looks like. But it's not the morning after for me. Mm. You can still hear the frog in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, by the time everyone's listening, who knows, maybe Davenport will be decided. Maybe Justin Trudeau will have uh, hit that emergency eject uh, button on his seat and he'd be launched into space. Maybe. No, 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 no. Nora. Justin, Justin Trudeau is living in a different reality than the rest of us. <laughs> Right. Did you did you hear his speech last night? No, I, I went to bed. <laughs> Nora. Oh, it was it was hilarious. It he definitely wrote that speech two months ago, trying to manifest a majority, failed in that manifesting, and then read it anyway. <laughs> it was like he the man was like Canadians tonight have given us a clear mandate moving forward that they want our program. And I was like, did they? I don't know if that's what minority government results are, a clear mandate. In fact, I think that that's the unclearest of mandates. But (laughs) sure, go off, Mr. Trudeau. Right, right. Well, let's um, let's thank some folks before we get into our. Um, the I, I think this episode is going to really. How be... I was right before we get into how I was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can call this episode the Sandy was right episode. We also could call I this episode <laughs> the um, the best political analysis you're going to hear about this election. I have a feeling that you and I are going to deliver that in the next fifty minutes. That's my prediction. Let's do it. Okay. I still like the first title better, but sure, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This week, we have a lot of people to thank. So thank you so, so much, everybody that donates the podcast. Again, you can get a clean feed with no ads if you um, uh, subscribe to our Patreon, which is Sandy and Nora at Patreon. Um, And so this week, thanks to the folks who have donated for the first time or changed their donations, uh, specifically Jen, Scott, Metal Gear Solid 1 in 2021. Hmm. I hope that's not some sort of code for like something bad. James, Andy and Mark, Edward, Taylor, Sean, and Gringa Internacionalista. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so we made our predictions about, what, two months ago on this podcast? Yeah. And the liberal minority prediction that... I thought we made, and then Nora kindly reminded me last night that I made came true. So again, (laughs) Sandy and Nora's podcast is the place to come for predictions. Um, We're always right. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are, uh, back where we started yesterday, not looking much different than today. But that's not exactly true, is it? There are a few things um, that have changed uh, this election Um, And one of those things that I'm particularly concerned about is the organizing opportunity that this election became for fascists in this country. 
I definitely think it's it's worth talking about um, what each of the parties' results really show because it's it's I think it's a little bit too easy to just look at these results and say oh like that was a waste of time that was a waste of six hundred million dollars that was the most expensive cabinet shuffle in Canadian history all of which is like definitely got elements of truth to it but. Each of the parties, and I guess this, this is perfect because we can end with the PP party uh, and then talk about fascism, um, but go through each of the parties first. I I want people to see this election as being an expression of people's discontent with the fact that none of the parties were offering a new vision for this country. And I think that that expressed itself and manifested itself in people choosing just what they had, right? Because you're not going to choose something unknown because you know, it's unknown unless it's compelling and nothing of the unknowns were compelling. Um, and this was, was this just a vanity exercise for Justin Trudeau to try and get that majority? Obviously it was. Um, but what does it mean for his ability to govern going forward? I mean, I don't think it changes much for his ability to govern. What I think is, um, what I think it will be really interesting is what the electorate does seeing this result. I mean, clearly folks are frustrated. I'm interested to see what the um, total turnout was uh, versus last year. Do we have that already? I've only seen 59%. Um, and I'm not sure if it went up, but I do know, like, certainly we know that voter turnout was generally lower, advanced polling and mail-in ballots were generally higher. And the conservatives increased their popular vote and got a higher percentage of the popular vote than the liberals did, which are all, I think, very interesting things for us to deconstruct. Yes. What what I mean, though, in terms of what the electorate does afterwards is that, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The none of these parties had um, a compelling vision None of them were speaking to the times that we were in. It was very blasé, very boring, very politics as usual, even though we are at a crisis point in society in, on so many things, um, whether you're thinking about the pandemic, whether you're thinking about hatred, whether you're thinking about anti-Black racism, whether you're thinking about um, uh, decolonization, whether you're thinking about uh, the pandemic, all of those things um, are crises that we're in the middle of and that have seen some sort of heightened expression in the last couple of years. And none of these parties acted as though we were at that point, except for maybe the PPC, <laughs> okay? That's except right. for maybe yeah. the PPC. And you can see it in the results. And so for me, what's really critical is that do people express that frustration coming out of this election through organizing, because that's the way to do it. And you can see it in, in the PPC's success. Um, and that's what folks will really need to, to be thinking about and doing. We can't accept this kind of politics as normal anymore. We can't accept this same way of doing things when we know it doesn't work. And uh, quite frankly, you know, as I was listening to, to the speeches last night that each of the parties gave, I was astounded. It was really like they don't live in our world, which is right. true in so many respects that uh, many of these politicians don't live in our world. They're, they're not experiencing the same sorts of stressors that we experience in our lives. But 
wow, what an inability to connect with what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the liberals, um, as everybody has said, pulled this cynical stunt. And it seems like the biggest winner of this stunt was the PPC. And it's very fucking ironic that they are the biggest winners uh, of the liberals attempt at a power grab. And, and, And in that way, the liberals actually need the PPC and the PPC needs the liberals like they feed off of each other. Um, one being, of course, the the moderate centrist voice that can stop the barbarian hordes of the conservative party and the PPC um, coming to do all the things that you know they were warning throughout the election. And the PPC, of course, needs uh, um, a monster in Justin Trudeau to be able to continue to have its base angry, activated, and motivated. And I think of um, when the PPC was first founded, um, and a lot of people were dismissing it. I remember Michelle Rempel, a uh, conservative MP, saying that you know if Maxime Bernier runs this party as lazily as he took out his cabinet duties, like this isn't going anywhere. And I think it's so funny to think back at that. And it's like, shit, he doesn't seem to be lazy. And fucking she's like now living in the United States almost full time. So what the fuck is she talking about? What is she talking about? And where the (laughs) fuck is she now? But um, it's, you know, the, 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 the partisan model of organizing of which, you know, both you and I are very critical has given the PPC um, a riding by riding excuse to build a party from scratch. And that excuse allows them to get into every corner of this country and capitalize on on latent sentiments, whether those sentiments are um, fascist or outwardly racist or maybe just new age uh, anti-vaccination, anti-public health sentiment, or maybe it's just straight up anti-establishment and has given them a home. And, you know, the liberals can't seek out those kinds of supporters because they they are the establishment. The conservatives can flirt with anti-establishment principles, um, but in the end, they, too, are the establishment. Um, and so then this leaves the NDP, which is like, I think that the NDP should be the most ashamed of their outcome last night. Um, and not necessarily ashamed because they failed uh, to make any reasonable gains, but because they they did a campaign that was so predictable that they got the exact same number of seats despite having an incredible set of new candidates jumping into the ring. And they were unable to get them elected and they were unable to get them elected because they still operate in the same kind of logic, uh, logical constraints that the liberals have set. And it's a trap because the NDP is not the liberal party, but they want to be the liberal party. And it's so off putting for people. Um, And so like when you act as if the last 18 months didn't happen and you only offer people very small promises like a tax on the ultra rich, like, my God, fuck, like just restore all the tax cuts that have happened in the last 20 years. That that would be like pretty radical. No, we can't do that. We have to talk only about the ultra rich. Okay. Um, you're going to lose people. It's alienating and people are not going to feel motivated to vote for you. And I don't think that and I don't know if we're already at the point of talking about the NDP, but I don't think that the NDP has learned any lessons in any of the elections that they've ran in the last like, you know, since the mid 2000s. Yes, uh, they should absolutely be disappointed. I don't know if they should be the most disappointed. I think that goes I think that goes to the Greens. Oh, okay, sorry, I guess the Greens are still there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, I no, forgot. Oh, <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it should be the Greens. I It is um, really interesting to me to think about um, the fact that 
some of their support clearly went to the to the liberals. Some of their support maybe went to the new NDP. Not sure. Some of their support must have gone to the PPC, which, yeah, you know, Green Party. You really, I think uh, <laughs> there needs to be some shaking up of, of, on the insides. Now I know that historically in Canada, the, the Green Party used to track conservative, used to track more liberal conservative. That's changed quite a bit in the last few years. Um, and I mean, I, I feel like there's some folks in the party that either need to, to get with the new program or the party needs to understand like who or uh, be better at expressing who they are now, if that's who they want to be. Um, and then in in conjunction with your analysis, Nora, on the NDP, I mean, uh, you said it last night on Twitter. I was thinking about it as soon as the results came out. It There should really be some serious consideration of merging these two parties. Yeah. There's got... In a, in a first by the past the post system, which, you know, we'll see if... Um, there are some considerations from the liberals during <laughs> during uh, this parliament uh, to shift that because I don't think they're going to win the next mandate um, if they if they go forward with first past the post. But in a first past the post system, um, it only makes sense to try to merge these parties. I imagine that the conservatives are going to again, as they did in the early two thousand, try to merge uh, the this the split right uh in this country and uh, really i mean even taking a look at the two platforms between the new democrats and the greens the greens had a lot more of their platform spelled out in some ways um in most ways than the the ndp did there's a lot of similarities and it's just like, why, why, why can we not uh, try to work together on the left here? Is this not a possibility? Well, and, and more than that, too. I mean, whenever I say this, people are like, oh, the, the Greens and the NDP are totally different. It's like, yeah, but OK, so then the Greens should merge with the Liberals or they should merge with the Conservatives. And then people that don't agree with that would go to another party. The problem is, is that the Greens are like a chaotic and not useful force within the House of Commons. They were a vanity project of Elizabeth May. And there's no better proof of that in their complete collapse at the national level, let's say, because obviously Elizabeth May re-won a seat and then they also picked up a seat in Kitchener Centre. They lost two-thirds of their elected representatives and the only ones they saved was, was Elizabeth May and got someone new. Like, that is not a party that has any sustainability to it. And it's one thing to be a protest movement. And this is where I think that we have to learn from the PPC that... You know, if you enter a federal and the block actually as well, if you enter federal politics with absolutely no intention of winning government, you operate very differently and you try to influence the other parties. The problem with the Greens is if we're seeing that their their votes significantly shifted to the PPC, that suggests that any semblance of enlightenment or 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 left wing values or environmental values within the the core membership of the of the or the core votership of the green party uh, is is not actually there and so what mm-hmm. remains the people that did yes. put on the ballot or that did put in the in their um, platform to defund the police and the people that do believe that a radical um, approach to climate change is necessary, then then yes, then why are you not why would you not merge with the NDP? Because the other thing is 
that as stale and as much as the the Green Party needs a shakeup, the NDP is so stale, is so stale. And the only thing that they're trying to do to not be stale is overhype and overemphasize Jugmeet Singh and his TikTok account. And it's like that is a communication strategy. That is not the sum total of an election campaign. That is a communication strategy to reach a group of people. You will not reach all people, just like you won't reach all people in other kinds of forms of media. But but it seemed like that took far more space from them actually coming up with ideas that people could be excited about and get behind. And, you know, we've we talked about this throughout this whole election that if the NDP is not going to look at the state of the world today and say, holy shit, we are going to promise some really big things. When the fuck are they going to promise really big things? <laughs> Literally not possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very, I mean, gosh, it was so weird. Like the Greens were trying to be the NDP this election, I feel like. I'm, like if you read yeah. their, their platform, the NDP were trying to be the liberals. The liberals were just liberal, liberal in it out here. Like they were just like, we're going to continue being the liberals. The conservatives were trying to be the liberals. The block was doing the block thing. And the PPC was controlling the entire message <laughs> of the entire election. It, that, that is what happened in the last month, y'all. Like, and for the PPC, a party that knew it had no shot in winning, but was going out there and doing the damn thing anyway, doing the organizing, doing the education that they wanted to do on a mass scale with both the electorate and the general population and their own MPs, uh, candidates. Like, let's be real. Some of those people probably didn't start out as like immigrant hating folks, but the, the PPC took that opportunity to to make more people uh, to point their fear and anger and frustration over the last few, uh, over the last 18 months to a very specific um, boogeyman, you know, which is, it's racist, it's, it's fascist, it's all the things that, um, all the worst parts of what has happened in the United States. And they, they took that and they made it the national conversation. Um, it, no one else was able to do that. Not one other party was able to do that, with the exception of maybe the bloc um, in, in Quebec. Not one other party. So the, the parties that were the most powerful in driving the message of what this election should be were the ones who weren't coming up with like a win strategy. They were coming up with the let's change this. Let's change the country. Let's radically shift the way that we do politics in Canada party parties. That says something. This is a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so important to think of it in, the, in those terms. And w one thing that you did say earlier that I'm not sure I agree with is um, the, the interplay between the PPC and the Conservative Party. I don't think the Conservative Party is going to be very keen to try and merge with the PPC. I think that this actually provides the opportunity to expel um, members of their party towards the PPC. So like Derek Sloan, who came in last in the Conservative leadership race, he did not win his seat last night. I suspect we'll see 
see him trying to become some sort of PPC, maybe interlocutor with like the religious far right. I'm very curious to see what happens with Leslin Lewis, who won last night. I didn't see any news about the fact that she won uh, the seat in Haldeman, Norfolk. <laughs> Haldeman, Norfolk County, uh, which is in southwestern Ontario. And th- that's a famous county because they're the, that's the highest concentration of, of migrant farm workers who work in Haldeman, Norfolk, and they just hired um, a relatively well-known um, anti-public uh, health measures doctor uh, as their chief medical officer of health, um, likely, as I argue in a piece that I just wrote, uh, to um, give the farmers the control that they want over their farm workers. So anyway, so Leslie Lewis, who of course, you know, did very well in the conservative leadership as well. She comes from that far right religious background. So like that, she's probably the closest that could migrate towards the PPC, depending on how things uh, roll out within the, the conservative party. But Aaron O'Toole, like his election headquarters was at G, it was in Oshawa, right? The home of General Motors in Ontario, which is where, I mean, his father uh, worked there, but his father was also a conservative, um, uh, a provincial conservative uh, member of, par- of legislative assembly. And I think that the relationship between those two parties is going to be more to keep pushing the conservatives towards the red Toryism, and the and the and the, and the core of the party who knows that that they can't be against childcare anymore, and they can't really be against um, like some of the rhetoric that they've been using for the last twenty years. That that they understand that strategically they can use the PPC as a foil to to allow that red Toryism to to become more um, pronounced within the party, which will be very interesting to see how the liberals deal with it. But that just in the end means that the two parties will just agree on the most fundamental matters, and that there will be no left wing. <laughs> real left-wing ability to hold uh, this government account because the NDP only has 25 seats. I mean, and that's 25 seats if uh, all of the ballots go counting in the direction that they are going uh, right now. I don't know, Nora. We rarely disagree on this show, but I think you're wrong on that. I mean, when you look at the numbers, the Conservatives didn't really gain anything this election. No. They didn't gain anything. And I think they're going to look at where they've lost, because um, if the numbers stay where they are this morning, they, they may not. They may shift a little bit. They um, fell in overall popular, popular vote from the last election, but not by much, not by anything significant. Um, and they're going to take be taking a look at um, where the opportunity is um, that they've lost. And I think they're going to be looking squarely at the PPC. And they're is likely to be some sort of struggle in the party for sure about whether that's the right way to go. I have a feeling that they're going to want to court, get back that vote, court it once again. Hmm. But we shall see. We'll see. The reason why I feel um, a bit confident in thinking this is because we can see what's happening in Alberta. And I think Alberta provides a bit of the um, the, the the crystal ball, if you will. Like the UCP is in a crisis trying to maintain that very uneasy relationship between the far right of its party and the right of its party. And I think that federal strategists are looking at that and saying, holy shit, like we don't want to go there because there's like the material result of that far right push within the in the party has been like this crisis within the province um, around uh, how they're managing COVID. Um, I obviously could be wrong, but I, I, I suspect that we like it's been a long time since red Toryism has had a surge, a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's much closer to like the, the, the traditional conservative 
uh, opinion in this country. And I suspect that they're going to see that as being the only way to win back the 905. And that and that it is the 905 where the, the conservatives did the worst, right? The, the, mm-hmm. They needed to win the greater Toronto area codes to uh, flip a lot of those liberal seats. And I think a lot of people forget, we said this during the election race, but Ontarians really hate voting federally for the same party they voted p- provincially. So O'Toole was also, yes, that's he's, right. you know, he's battling against um, a just just a tendency that that exists within Ontario and has existed within Ontario for a long time. Um, but, you know, none of those seats are, are, are solid liberals, right? Like the greater Toronto area is not the greater Montreal area. where <laughs> There's some solid liberals that you cannot unseat. Yeah. I either way, either way it goes. Um, I think, you know, I'm still just really stunned by the fact that the Green Party came in fifth. Yes. Sixth. (laughs) Right. The Green Party came in sixth place. Yeah, that is really stunning. And um, and, you know, the the PPC unseated uh, them as the fourth place. Fifth uh, place. In popular vote. Sorry. Fifth. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. The block is still um, in there, kind and of. The PP- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the PPC unseated them as fifth, fifth? Yes, fifth place <laughs> in the popular vote. That doesn't, that didn't result in any seats, but my gosh, it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. No, 800,000 people voted for the, for the PPC. Um, and, and what I think is really fascinating, what people outside of Quebec really need to like appreciate is, um, you know, Bernier lost soundly again <laughs> in his riding yeah. and the PPC did not have the gains that in Quebec, um, that it, that it had across Canada. The, this is a, this is an Anglo Canadian movement led by, uh, the Petit Prince de, 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 de Beauce. Like it's so funny to me, um, that, that this is a truly, like a true threat, uh, to the political order in Canada. And it's, as a left-wing person, I look at this and it's like, wow, we are really fucking up this opportunity to to capture not the same people, because obviously we won't capture the same people. We might capture maybe 5% of these people, but there's a whole bunch of other people on the left who are just as disaffected and just as angry and who actually might express their vote through the liberals or who, who might express their vote through the NDP, obviously, uh, who are waiting to see something like this on the left. And, you know, it's really important to mention that there that there is no corollary to the PPC on the left. Like, e- even the yeah. Communist Party is not the corollary. Like, it, it, the, the, the Communist Party has been around for more than 100 years, and they have their own way of doing things. And it, it's, it's, not, it's not the same thing. Like, there has been no movement in left-wing politics in several generations of, like, regroupment. We have the same NDP that we've had for like since I was born, <laughs> since before I was born, doing things the same way. Labor, what the fuck? Like everything just seems so fossilized and so stuck in the ways of doing things, which also then I think makes the whole TikTok phenomenon feel really weird. Like it just clashes directly with how the party organizes. Because you have these two, like you have a fossilized ancient way of running politics, like actually doing strategy, but then trying to ignore that by 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 tele- telepathing to young voters. No, no, we're hip. We're with it. We're cool. And it's like, no, no, there needs to be a change. (laughs) 
Like there needs to be a shakeup on the left in a major, major way because the discontent that is obvious that you can feel that is palpable that we hear from Sandy and Nora listeners that we hear from, you know, all of the emerging left wing media um, uh, endeavors that are happening right now. There has to be something new. And, 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 and the, the NDP is either going to have to, you know, to quote Bob Dylan, get out of the new road if they can't lend a hand like it is fucking they are they are taking up a lot of place and a lot of energy and they're burning people in doing so and leaving us with fucking not a whole lot. Yeah. And, you know, I don't actually hate the whole like TikTok try to appeal to younger voters thing. It you know, it's like whatever, do that. But you have to do the other piece, which is, you know, like stop. To me, it's like stop with the like super polished uh, politician that is is attempting to be um, the the liberals and the conservatives and to really be mirrors of them and just be one real and two bold like that's that's all we're asking for. Like, <laughs> and in being bold, I mean, we're not even asking that much and saying be bold. We're really saying be fucking relevant uh, to all of the people who consistently get ignored uh, in elections. That's all we're saying. And like, I think the the leaders that did that the best um, are the block and the PPC. I mean, like Blanchette's speech last night was my favorite. This man's like, I don't know why they interrupted our barbecue. <laughs> like, like the, he's like just talking like a real person to the people who he is speaking to, who connect with that, with his message. Same thing. I mean, I didn't listen to Maxime Bernier's speech. I don't give a shit, but same thing like the way I, they, they they cut it off they they cbc cut it off and all we got was like a rhyming triplet <laughs> okay sure i mean i i don't know what appeals to people on that side of politics but but throughout <laughs> the campaign um being as real as possible like you know just just get out there and talk about all of the things that we care about and it's easy to tell what we care about people have been frustrated and expressing that frustration over the last 18 months and it's not hard to figure out where people's hearts are at and what they really want i mean gosh that's why the ppc did so well at controlling the message yeah yeah and I, you know i don't hate the tiktok stuff either i want to make sure that people appreciate that i just don't get it because it's not for me because jagmeet and i are from different generations oh no wait he's older than i am what the fuck <laughs> it still means you're from different generations it's just uh, that's a joke confusing no no that's a joke no it's it's just it, it's it's like every time i see like jack layton referred to by anyone within that party it's like guys it's been a long time like whew. You cannot like like Leighton was a, a politician. He was a thirty-five year politician when he became the leader of the NDP, and Singh was a six-year politician, and Leighton was a was a municipal politician. So very much like in the streets of his municipality, like you just have to be, and you can't you can't make comparisons. They're different guys, like Christ, right? They're they're different people, and um and like Leighton's success was also a like a question of timing and a question of a Canadian populace mostly a Quebecois populace that was pissed off with with Stephen Harper enough to make some big moves it was all like by it wasn't by effect of what the party itself did and the NDP has still not come to terms with it and so when i see all 
of the hard work of left-wing activists poured into the last weeks of this campaign. And you see this result. It's like, hey, folks, this is not working. This is not fucking working. Um, and I, I just know that that is not the conversation that they're going to have in the next couple of days. I just wish it was the conversation that they'd have in the next couple of days. But I don't know how much more obvious it needs to be. Like, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And, you know, then 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 you also have this whole question of electoral reform, which um, the liberals obviously are going to do everything they can to stop it. But we need it so desperately. So how does the NDP um, how does the NDP make electoral reform an issue uh, considering uh, the popular vote going to the conservatives and the conservatives not forming government? And like there's a lot of like interesting political ways that this could become a big issue. But it was like not even mentioned after the liberals like abandoned it. It was just like it became a meme rather than no, no, actually, this is a condition of us supporting the budget is we're going to do electoral reform. Like, let's see that. Let's see some fucking actual politics rather than just going along with the biggest issues that the liberals want to do and then like fighting around the edges. So Nora, for a long time, uh, folks on the left, I know you've seen this, um, certain elements of the left have really eschewed electoral politics, just been like, fuck that. Um, And there are reasons for that. I understand that. I'm the type of person who's like, whatever strategy works, like I will take any strategy, anything, like, give it to me, let's try it all. And I think that, again, the lesson of the PPC here um, should make us really think deeply about that. Elections are opportunities for organizing. We've said it many times before. Um, And I don't think it is as simple to just, uh, you know, just throw that huge organizing opportunity away um, in a way to be, and I'm not saying that this is this is the case for everyone who issues elections. There are several reasons to do so, but for some folks, it's about some sort of weird self-righteousness that has always really frustrated me. Look like we could, you know, there could be another party on the left. There could be um, an influx of people into the parties on the left that currently exist that are um, that sole goal is to 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 kind of take over and do um, organizing around the country in this way. That it provides a model. Party organizing provides a model, and uh, it provides the opportunity to have issues heard on a broad scale. Now. Again, I'm like critical of partisan politics, but if there's a way of doing it that is bringing together radical voices on the ground to have some sort of cross-country organizing, it's not it's not something necessarily to eschew. Like I I really think that uh folks on the left, we should we should think really deeply about that, about whether or not that is something you know, it's the the ignoring it and poo-pooing it. Um, I don't know if it's doing much for us in terms of our organizing capacity. And maybe mm-hmm. there's another way of us doing things, too. Yeah, I think that we have to be more willing to take risks and find creative ways to confront people because there seems to also be a lot of orthodoxy that has um, that has kind of formed about, like, what is the correct way to deal with these groups? 
And I don't think there is a correct way. I think that it's going to require a lot of different tactics. And, mm-hmm. they, and they might be tactics that make some people uncomfortable. And they might be tactics that you personally might look at and say, whoa, I wouldn't do that. But I mean, fuck, like we need to do something. And it's only through trying out tactics that we can figure out if they're a good idea or a bad idea, right? Otherwise, it's just theory. Um, and so I think we need to uh, encourage ourselves and other groups to be creative with their tactics and to really think hard about how to leverage this moment to both confront that far right, but also to build things, um, you know, build, rebuild, reconstruct things. And and that's a great point. And, and one thing to say is that good ideas and bad ideas aren't necessarily good ideas and bad ideas forever. What may right. have been a bad idea in 2000, you might want to like pick it up again, think about it, see if the <laughs> things have changed because the electorate has changed, um, the population of Canada has changed fucking politics in general has shifted massively and so you know try retry but also be creative as you can be and think about new ways of doing things yeah. So um, I want to leave a little bit of time for us to just talk about like analysis of the election. I'm, I'm curious, Sandy, to, to hear who you watched last night, what you thought about the coverage. But before that, I, I just want to mention so the issues that we need to have our eyes on, that we need to be on the ground for, that we need to be um, really paying attention to uh, are border security, seeing what's happening right now in the United States under Biden at the Mexican border uh, with Haitian migrants is absolutely horrifying. And you know, you're not going to see the cowboy look here. It'll be all done much more quietly and uh, and sanitized, um, especially by our media. But deportations, of course, increased under Justin Trudeau. And there's no reason for us to believe that that trend will not continue. Um, and of course, uh, this was a nation that just put uh, on hold its horror around um, the, the the discoveries or rediscoveries of of grave sites, of mass graves, of of, of stolen children from residential schools. It was it was horrifying during the election that the only way that this came up was to be a cudgel from one party to another. Um, and so we need to watch the liberals very, very closely. And we need to watch how the other parties hold the liberals to account to make sure that, uh, I mean, their promises, the promises that they did make uh, are implemented and are in- implemented in a way that is actually workable. Um, so those are the two issues for me that I'll be watching really, really closely. I don't know if you've got some issues you want to mention or if you want to go right into the answering my question about who did you watch last night and how, do you, how did you find the coverage? <laughs> um, I will be looking at issues. I, definitely the, the issues of migration are uh, top of mind. And, um, you know, I just, I really am frustrated that um, we don't talk about the anti-blackness specifically that's happening uh, with respect to immigration migration issues. Um, there's a way that Haitian migrants are treated um, that are, is not the same as others. And um, that should be, um, that should come to the national fore. Like that should be part of the conversation, but it hasn't been as yet. And, um, you know, I'm hoping we can, we can shift some of that. Um, I'm also really going to be thinking about um, communication. I, for the fucking life of me, I don't understand why we can't get, you know, a, a, some real conversations about um, how we communicate with one another in this country and how it's become a necessity. The communication is a necessity. It is a necessity of life. It should be a right. And uh, we really need to be um, having discussions about how we make sure that everybody can access communication because if you need communication to work, you need communication to live, 
then fuck the public should be providing communication to one another. And, um, you know, this is the method we have of doing that. Who did I watch? Yeah. What did, how did you get the news last night? What did you think of the coverage? Well, for, <laughs> first, I want everybody to know that as soon as the polls closed in, uh, the, on the West Coast, I went for a run because I knew <laughs> that this was <laughs> all useless. Um, <laughs> but I, I watched the CBC. Yeah. Okay. So, I so did I. I. I also had on, <laughs> what were you on? What the was breach. the program that you were on? You were on The Breach. I also watched The Breach for a little bit. Um, and, but mainly I was watching the CBC. So I was watching the CBC too. And I thought that, um, like considering that there was a, a major party that was saying that they wanted to basically eliminate the CBC. Like I like to watch their coverage, um, considering that, considering this big existential threat that might come from the conservative party. Rosemary Barton was insufferable. <laughs> insufferable it felt like everybody everybody there like adrian arsenault is i i like adrian arsenault a lot i've had the chance to actually have lunch with her once and she's like the nicest person uh and her and andrew chang and and ian hanneman like they're all like they're all hanging out right they're kind of like whoa fuck we're in this election oh this is so much fun and then rosie would be like okay fuck your party um this is my show (laughs) it was like whoa shit (laughs) It was very, very jarring. <laughs> oh man, she's something else. I. It is very. <laughs> it is her watching her analysis is like, oh my god! Like she was very paternalistic uh, to Jagmeet Singh. She literally was like, I think he's learned learned how to how to respond as a leader now. Like last time he was really excited, and this time uh, he seems a little bit more contrite or whatever word she used. And I'm glad to see he's learned how to how to be a politician. I was like, <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> and then uh, her analysis of uh, uh, of uh, Aaron O'Toole was essentially. Oh, he seems he seems really mad. It's like he's still uh, electioneering. Like he's just throwing shots at Justin Trudeau. I, it's just it's like he's getting ready for another election. Like that's very strange. I, it's like, is it? Is it very strange that <laughs> he would be throwing <laughs> shots at his direct opponent? Okay, and then her analysis of the liberals. Yes, you know they they are obviously. You know, uh, um, coming out here happy about their win, and uh, that they that they have gotten another mandate from from the Canadian public, and I'm just like, wow, okay. <laughs> so we're just going to make it even more obvious every time that you have an opportunity to talk about politics in this country that you just live right next to the Liberals and mm-hmm. you ain't moving. It was just, oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just she could not help herself and I'm just like why does she continue to be the one who is at the fore of giving these analyses it's just not cute it was really especially jarring considering I found Sarah Singh who they had on as the NDP person which I also thought was weird that they picked a sitting politician to do the NDP analysis but I thought Sarah was very very good um, but I thought Lisa Raitt was excellent, like being funny and also giving kind yeah, of like she was the she was the most personable. I think yeah, <laughs> Which hurts me to say it hurts me. It hurts me, <laughs> but she was she really was, and and not just personal, but also not partisan. Like I didn't listen to her with like you know through a, a funnel of okay, she's just an apologist for the Conservative Party. Like she was, she sounded less partisan than Barton. <laughs> it's true, and that is a problem. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, I'll, I'll mention one other thing that I just couldn't believe. Um, like this paternalistic kind of approach to sing, it, she had the exact same approach to Annamie Paul as well. And um, even like said. Oh, yes, she did. That is absolutely right. That's absolutely yeah. right. So she was saying Annamie had all these opportunities and she was on the national debate and she put herself forward as this credible leader. And then she stops and she's kind of like sniffs really hard. And she's like, and she was on my show. Annamie was on my show. Like as if Barton truly believes she's a political kingmaker. And it's just like, get over yourself. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I think it's, I just, I'm going to say it. I think it's saying something that, Rosemary Barton had a really tough time talking about race and racism in the last couple of years. And then the way that she responds to the two racialized leaders is to be really paternalistic to them. Like, come on, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, sorry, but we, we need um, someone who's like a competent in how they um, uh, look at and what information they receive from people who look differently than them. That being said, one thing... One thing that I forgot to mention about the conservative speech. I swear, I swear, I'm going to clip this. I thought it was so funny. There's a point where uh, Aaron O'Toole, did you listen to the speech? No, I didn't. Okay, there's a point where Aaron O'Toole and his like appealing to the center, right? He's like, it doesn't matter if you're black, if you're brown, if you're white, if you're, and then he pauses. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, uh, whatever color, creed, or whoever you are. And I know, I know he wanted to say purple. I know he wanted it. <laughs> he wanted so badly to say purple. I'm going to clip it. It was, I was like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> but he got trained on that. Um, no, and then, okay, uh, one other thing, uh, just, just to have a, a, a point about the CBC, um, you know, I've had some folks recently ask me, you know, like, God, if you hate the CBC so much, like, why do you watch and listen to it so much? Mm-hmm. It's like, because I don't hate the CBC. I deeply support public broadcasting. Okay. Deeply support it. I just think it could be so much better than it is. And it deserves yeah. the critique so that it can be better than it is. And quite frankly, like, you know, there, there is a possibility for some shifts. There were some folks who were really great last night on CBC um, for the like two minutes that I saw the coverage that, um, um, that was the late, late coverage because then they cut off the live stream. Thanks a lot, CBC. There's no other way for me to, (laughs) to watch Um, the, the, the post uh, Rosemary Barton section was really great as well for those two minutes that I saw, Um, you know, like there's, there's possibility in um, the the public broadcasters, so much possibility. And we deserve more. We deserve the type of analysis that is going to tell us what um, the PPC doing so well means, what it means that they ate into the Greens, what it means that they controlled the message. They controlled the message. And I don't see that anywhere. I don't, I haven't seen one single piece of analysis that's just like, wow, the PBC really drove the message in this election. No, it's just like Justin Trudeau is getting rocks thrown at him and he's mad. It's like, okay, no, they are controlling the election. <laughs> like That is the actual story there. And, uh, you know, we, we deserve better and I want them so badly to be better. <laughs> Me too. But, um, 
I, I, I don't know. Rosie rose to the top for a reason. Yeah. And for the same reasons, I mean, not the exact same, but for a lot of the reasons that we're telling uh, the parties on the left to shift and change, you know, like the, the, it, it's, they're very similar sort of considerations that the public broadcaster might want to make as well. 